You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. Guys, I want to do something a little different with this series. Um, I want you to hear some, from some voices other than mine, because you may not trust me. And so, uh, Andrea, would you do me a favor? I want you to, this is my friend Andrea, I want you to stand up and tell them what it feels like to know that you're forgiven. Well, I know I'm forgiven. Um, today is my five-year clean date. I've been living for the Lord for five, da- five years. And for me, you know that friend that's in your corner that's always got your back? It feels like that, only a hundred times better. Your friend's only human. And there may come a day when you mess up so badly that that person won't forgive you. But God's love is unconditionally eternal. And no matter how badly I mess up, he's always there with open arms to forgive. It's that second, third, and fourth chance that I never deserved that he gives freely. Y'all pray with me. God, we're asking uh, that you would reveal what you've made real for Andrea, that you'd make it real for everyone in this room. That what she knows, they would know. That what she knows, we would experience. God, that as we preach Christ crucified over the next few weeks, people would uh, admit their sin and receive forgiveness. God, that the words that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 would come true for all of us when he said, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are sinners, Christ died for us. God, remove the scales from our eyes, that there might be passion in our pursuit of you again. It's in Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. All right, good morning, guys. My name, oh, give it up for Andrea again, but that's not easy to do. Um, my name is Tommy. I'm the pastor here. If you're new, I'm glad you're here. We start a new series today, and this series is called The Words That Change Your World. And so I, I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever heard the saying, sticks and stones will break my bones? What's the rest of it say? Words. That's the dumbest saying ever written, isn't it? I mean, is, that, is there any truth to that? Sticks and stones will break your bones. Words, the fact is words have power. And words can sting and words can change things. And, and we know this. Uh, I'm willing to bet that for everyone in this room, there are either words you've heard, words that have been spoken over you, words that you're familiar with, but these words have had an impact on your world. Let, let me say a couple sentences and, and you finish it for some sentences that have probably impacted your world. Today is a day that will live in infamy, right? Ask not what your country can do for you. It's good. They still teach history out here. That's great. Let me me think of, oh, here's one. I have a dream. There you go. And so there's words, famous words that you hear and they evoke some sort of emotion in you, right? But let's make it more personal. Maybe it wasn't a speech some famous person said. Maybe there was words that were spoken to you. Maybe words that were spoken to you from your parents and, and, and they hurt. Um, maybe words that you still can't forgive and it's 10, 15, 20 years later. 
Maybe it was your baby's first words, but those words impacted your world, didn't you? Uh, I, I bet Christy remembers when our baby was born. There's Christy right there. And the, and the beautiful words I said when I, when I held my baby for the first time and I looked at my wife who had just done all that work and I said, we will never do this again. <laughs> words. <laughs> when she first told me she was pregnant, I didn't, none of this is written. I was like, my, remember my first words, that one? We need to look at the budget. <laughs> words, Right. Words have power. Words have meaning. And biblically speaking, and, you know, we sort of talk about the Bible here, if you're new here. Biblically speaking, uh, words are powerful. There's a story in Genesis, and it's just Genesis full of poetry and just beautiful language about how God created the world. And, And it says God spoke the universe into existence, right? When God spoke, things existed. There's power in words, and not only that, for those of us who, who uh, have placed our lives in the hands of Jesus, we believe that at some point, the divine word of God, the very, the very word of God actually took on flesh and came and dwelt among us, that God in a body came to earth, his word, and walked around with people. And we believe this. We believe that he was born of a virgin. And listen, let me say this, because It's my hope that over the next few weeks, every single person in this room gives their life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't, my hope is that you will. If you have, my hope is that you wake up again and live as if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. But I need you to know this. If you don't believe in Jesus, historically speaking, it's undeniable that a Jesus walked the earth, okay? Like you might argue with what I believe about him, but history mandates that there was this Jesus... And Romans wrote about him, and Jews wrote about him, and he's in the Bible. And of course, the Bible's biased, and I'm certainly biased. But there are unbiased sources that document the life of Jesus and that this man, who we believe is the king of the world, was crucified. And so you may not believe everything I believe, but to not believe in the physical life of Jesus is just lazy research. You can go to the History Channel, and they tell you all about him. So there was a Jesus, and he lived. And we believe that this Jesus was God in a body, that he's the son of God, that he's the word of God. And we believe that he lived a sinless life. And we believe that, that he walked around and he had these people following him. And as he walked around, he would talk to people about the kingdom of God. And he would say things that people had never heard before. And he would walk around and even the church people, the church people couldn't stand him. He was too godly for church people. That's fascinating, isn't it? Church people didn't understand him. Nobody got him. And he said things that, what's the old saying? Upset the apple cart, right? That just didn't work. And so eventually the Jewish people, the the religious leaders were like, all right, we got to do something about this guy. He's committing blasphemy by saying he's God. And so they hatched this plan to have him executed. But they don't want to do it because they don't want the blood on their hands. And so they go to the Romans, say, Romans, will you kill him? And the Romans is just a whole thing. And I encourage you to go read the story, but it's a whole thing. The Romans are like, yeah, we'll execute him finally. And so the Romans take Jesus and they crucify him. And so they hang him on, on a cross, and they put nails in his hands, and they nail him to this cross. And this was the Roman way of execution. This is, again, historical. This is the way the Romans executed people. And what happens is when you die of crucifixion, you asphyxiate. You, you suffocate on your own blood and on your own breath over time. That's how you die. And so they hang Jesus in this tree where he's suffocating to death. And while he's on this tree, he begins to speak. And this is where we're going to camp out for the next few weeks. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff in the, in the Jesus story that you should go back and read. Uh, I would love for you to read about what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
I would love, and you can probably find that in Matthew and Luke, I would love for you to read about the Last Supper. You can find that in Matthew. There are amazing stories that I'm skipping over because I want to spend time in the words that changed your world. And you notice I'm saying your world, not just the world, because these words change your world. And if they haven't yet, maybe they will today. These are the words that changed the world. The words Christ spoke as he gasped for his last breath on the cross. And I'm going to read this, this passage from Luke. It's Luke 23. And, uh, but before I do that, I just want to ask you guys to do me a favor. I want you to use your imagination for just a minute. Here, here's the problem. Raise your hand. And it's, listen, if you've never heard this story before, don't be embarrassed. You can even raise your hand and lie. It doesn't matter. Like, raise your hand if you've heard the Easter stories before. Just go ahead. Put your hands up. Okay. Let me tell you the problem. You've heard them too many times. You've heard it so many times, it no longer impacts you. You've seen it so many times, it no longer stings. We have become inoculated to the truth because we've heard it so many times that now it just feels writ, right? Use your imagination. Matter of fact, everyone just shut your eyes. Shut your eyes. It's okay. No one's going to steal your purse. This is 10 o'clock. <laughs> 11.30, it's a 50-50 shot. 10 o'clock, you're pretty safe. 8.30, 100% safe. Right here, you're 20% safe. Okay. So just go ahead and shut your eyes for me, all right? And here's what I want. Even if you don't believe a word I am saying, that's okay. I'm going to ask you to use your imagination and visualize this scene. So Luke 23. As the soldiers led him away, so that's Jesus. Y'all can picture this. There's soldiers leading him away. They seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and they put a cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Okay, so Jesus can't carry his own cross because he's been beaten, he's been tortured, he's been whipped, he's been spit on, he's exhausted, he collapses. Picture this in your, this is a human. This is a human. If you don't believe he's the son of God, he's a human. And he can't carry his cross anymore. So someone else steps up and they pick it up. A large number of people follow behind him, and we can see this, including women who mourned and wailed for him. So this is a man, a human that they love, and there's this group of people following him, and the women are crying, and it's just, he's bloody and beaten, and it says, Jesus turned to them, and he says, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, blessed to the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills cover us, for if the people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? So you, these women are kind of stunned, right? You can picture this. And what Jesus is saying is, you think it's bad now? Just wait. Just wait. This is what they're doing when I'm here. Wait, wait till I'm gone and wait, watch what happens with the world. And then in verse 32, it says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. So you can see there's three men now, right? They come up to a place called the skull. So they go up on this hill. And they crucify him. And they crucify him. There's a criminal on his right and a criminal on his left. And they're all three on, on crosses. Y'all can see this, right? You see this in, in your mind. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can you picture the crowd when they hear those words? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Okay, you can open your eyes. Can, did, did you see it? Were you able to use your imagination? Or maybe you've seen the passion of the Christ or something, but can you be in that moment for just a second? 
Here's a human that, that is loved, and he's led up on this hill, and he's crucified between two common criminals. And in his, one of his last acts, he's, he's suffocating, guys. That's how you die when you're like this. You're suffocating. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let me, let me ask you this. If you're on that cross... And you believe in God, you've got the connection with God that Jesus has, and you believe that God can actually change circumstances and situations, what would you have asked God for? Perhaps get me off this cross? I mean, I think we would have prayed a lot of prayers. But in that moment, Jesus looks up to his Father and says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. When is the last time you read this verse and thought about it? When is the last time this actually had any impact on your life? I'm talking to Christians now, people who say you've placed your faith in the king of the world. When's the last time you forgave someone because you stopped and remembered this verse? When were you kind to someone because of this verse? These are words that should change our world. I was reading this this week, and I was so struck by this part of the story. And something hit me, and I never thought through it before, and maybe to you it's super obvious. Y'all remember 9-11, right? We all remember that. Most of us who are of age probably remember where we were and all those. There, there was words that changed our world right during that period of time. But imagine you're on a plane with a hijacker, and you're flying into, into the World Trade Center or Pentagon or whatever, and you see your death coming, okay? And there's nothing you can do about it, and you see it coming. And you have a few seconds to pray. What are you going to pray for? Think about it. What would you pray for? I would probably pray that the plane would be diverted a different direction. I think I'd pray for my kids. I think I'd pray for my wife. I think I'd pray for my church. You know who would be last on my list of prayers? The hijacker. Do you know why? Because I don't love the hijacker. Jesus in this moment is praying for the hijacker. While he's being hijacked. Do you see this? The crucifixion isn't over. It's just started. And while they are crucifying him, he's saying, forgive them. This is someone punching you. While they're punching you, you look at them and you say, keep going. I forgive you. Finish what you came here to do. I forgive you. This isn't forgiving somebody five years after the moment or ten years after the moment or a week, and we've had time to sort through the emotions. This is forgiving sin while sin is being inflicted on me. Have you ever heard of anything like that in your life? Have you ever done anything like that in your life? Let me just answer that one for you. No. I mean, this, this is unimaginably upside down. It makes absolutely no sense. But this is the most unselfish act the world would ever see. And then he says, Father, forgive them. Why? Like, what, God, why should you forgive them? Because they don't even know what they're doing. They don't know how much I love them. They don't know how good I am. They don't know that my ways are greater than their ways. They don't understand what I came here to do. They don't understand that, that I don't want to take joy from them. I want to give them peace. I want to give them joy. Father, forgive them because they have no idea what they're doing. While they're doing it. They weren't even finished. Soon they would jam a sword into his side, and he probably knew it was coming. 
I like the way, you know, they, the disciples are watching this. Raise your hand if you've ever seen a hypocritical Christian. Some of you go to Assembly of God because you're not raising your hand. <laughs> the rest of us have seen hypocritical Christians. Assembly of God folks are pretty solid. The rest of it, they are. They're good. Or Nazarenes. Nazarenes are pretty solid. The rest of us have seen hypocritical Christians, right? All right. When, when, when they're watching Jesus on that cross, the disciples are watching him. Don't you think they probably thought back to that day when Jesus was on the mountain preaching? Jesus is doing this sermon on the mountain in Matthew 5. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say things about you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And in that same sermon, Jesus says, Pray for those who are your enemies. When someone punches you, turn the other cheek. If they want your cloak, give them your shoes too. And people are watching this going, this is the most not practical, unlivable sermon I have ever heard in my entire life. And then what the world saw was a bunch of hypocritical Christians who couldn't possibly live out the word of Jesus. And then in one moment, we see the one who is not a hypocrite. Guys, you may have a beef with Christians because they're hypocritical, but you can't have a beef with Christ because he did what he said he was going to do. We are bad examples of Jesus. And if I'm your only example of Jesus, I apologize. But Jesus was a wonderful example of Jesus. <laughs> he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He forgave his enemies. He prayed for those who were persecuting him. I like Paul says, and Paul, we, we open with this. You see it just the right time. This is Romans 5. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might die. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While they were crucifying him, he died for them. While they were sinning against him, he forgave them. And while you and I have lived lives where we have completely ignored this part of the Bible, he's saying the same thing to us. I forgive you. Forgive you. Does it mean anything anymore? Maybe we've heard I forgive you so many times we've forgotten what we were forgiven for. I always think that's the problem with, with those of us who've been in church. Y'all know where it's a fun place to worship? With inmates. Seriously. You know what's a fun place to worship? With people who are fresh off their drug addictions. You know why? Because they're thankful for forgiveness. You know what can be a stale place to worship sometimes? In a room full of people who've forgotten that they were once addicts and inmates. That can be a stale place to worship. With a room full of people who've forgotten that they were once in chains. With a room full of people who forgot that their stuff still stinks. I like worshiping with people who understand the power of forgiveness. Maybe you're here today and you've forgotten. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you forgot about that night. Maybe you forgot about that time. Maybe you forgot how hypocritical we've been so many times. Maybe it's time to remember. I, I love Jesus is having this conversation with the world, and, and they're looking up, and they're like, man, what is, what is he talking about? Is he really? And in Luke 23, there's someone listening. Well, there's one person in the crowd listening. 
It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminals rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him. I bet you all know this one. I bet some of you know this one. Today you'll be with me where? In paradise. In paradise. Today I'll be in paradise. This doesn't feel like paradise, but I'm with him. And where he is, that is paradise. And where he is, I am in the garden. And if I'm in the garden and you're in the garden, why aren't we living like we're in the garden? I've admitted my sin. I've admitted my sin. And if you're bored with church, let me tell you, if you're bored with church, if you come every week and you're like, I'm not getting anything out of it, let me, let me give you a little something to spice it up. Start confessing your sin. Start confessing your sin, not just to God. Confess your sin to somebody. You want to spice up your relationship with Jesus? Tell somebody that one thing you pray nobody ever finds out about you. And I promise you that things get real dicey real quick. It'll get spicy. Confession is a lost art in the American church. Confess your sin to God and remember what it means when he says, I forgive them. And maybe you're sitting there, you're like, I don't have any sin to confess. Oh, you're the worst of all the sinners. <laughs> remember, we're in paradise. Like right now. We're not waiting till we die. I'm with Jesus in the garden today. That's why there's passion in me. That's why there's purpose in me. That's why there's joy in me. That's why I have decided today how I will respond when that day happens. That's why I never forget who I was. That's why I take time to remember and confess. And I, ne I never want there to be a moment in my life where I think I couldn't go right back to being that person if I walk away from the king of the world. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. And you're like, man, you know why I don't want to know him? Because people don't act like they like him. Maybe you're in this room and they say, man, if everyone acted like they liked him, then I'd want to know him more. And all I can say to you is, I'm sorry, but your beef is not with Jesus. Your beef's with us. Don't hold it against him. Forgiveness feels good for those people who know they need forgiveness. It feels phenomenal. It feels so good to know what he's taken from me. I hate who I was. I'm thankful for who I am. And it is by the blood of the Lamb that I am able to live free today. But if you're living in paradise, perhaps you should smile. Maybe, you, I, I know I've told you all this before, and y'all can finish this one because words have power. If you're happy and you know it, then you're, no, not clap your hands. <laughs> then your face should surely show it. For the love, people. Context. <laughs> that is part of it, too, though. That's part of it. Guys, imagine, I love that you're laughing right now. I love it. I love it so much. Because imagine what this place would feel like if it was full of joy. Imagine. I, I, wish, I wish that everyone could shut their eyes and one person didn't know Jesus would just raise their hand 
And I could say, tell us the, the three things you need from us to believe what we're saying is true. The number one thing they would say is joy. The number two thing they would say is unconditional love, which you described. You know, I think that the number three thing would probably be worship like he's alive. Let, let me see that you believe what you say you believe. And so we're doing, today you have the option. Today you have an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, you have the opportunity today to quit making excuses, stop holding it against me, come over here where I will be standing and give your life to the king of the world. You have that option today. And let me tell you this, before the foundation of the earth was ever laid, the king of the world has pursued you. He wants you. He loves you. There is purpose for you. You never have to go back to who you were again. The king of the world, before the foundation was ever laid, knew what you would do. And you know what he said? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And so maybe today's the day. For the rest of you, maybe it's the day you come home. The altar's open for you too, my friends. If you've lost your passion, if you've lost your purpose, if you've lost your zeal, if you haven't invited one person into this space in the last three months, maybe you need to come repent too. Maybe it's time we confess our sin. Maybe it's time we confess our apathy. Maybe it's time we confess our pride and how we've made this all about us. Maybe it's time God opens our hearts to such a place that when someone walks in this room, they go, wow, these are ordinary, unschooled men and women, but good Lord, they're full of Jesus Christ. That's what they said about the disciples in the Bible. And I pray that's what they say about us. We're going to ban you guys. Can come on back up whenever you want. We're going to sing a song. Here's my one request, guys. Don't leave here without acknowledging that tug on your heart. Don't leave here without acknowledging your sin. Don't leave here without remembering that you're forgiven. If God is, you know, I, was, I was talking to a young man this last week, and he's, he's an amazing young man. He's like, man, I just, I just don't feel God anymore. I don't feel God. You know how often I hear that? And if you're honest, some of you are thinking it right now. I don't, just, I don't feel him anymore. If you want to feel him again, do something to energize the relationship. Is there another relationship you can have that you only show up a couple times a month, you never do anything passionate, and it's wonderful? Make a move today. Make a move to your knees if you can't make a move up here. Make a move. Father, forgive them. This, this, this gathering, guys, this is meant to be a picture of paradise for the world to see. Is it? Easter's coming. They're watching to see what we think. Respond in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. You're forgiven. You're walking with paradise. Today, we act like it. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.